0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We are MVF Church based out of Heber City, Utah. If you'd like to check out the live recording of this teaching, you can find that at mvfchurch.com. We're glad that you've joined us today, so let's get into the teaching. Well, we are getting towards the end of our... um Journey with Jesus campaign, as we've been talking about. Uh, We're in week 35 right now. So if you have your journals and you're taking notes, turn to week 35. And we're going to be looking at Luke 19, 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. And um, what we're going to see is the last interaction Jesus has before he enters into Jerusalem, at least the last one we have recorded, before he enters in Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. And I think what we see in this, what, what Jesus displays so well is that when we're, when we're seeking Jesus, when we want to know him, man, he sees us. Jesus never overlooks you. Wherever you are in life, Jesus never overlooks you. You can't be so too far from Jesus for him to overlook you. You can't have done anything so bad that he's going to overlook you. I don't don't care where you're at in life. No one is overlooked when it comes to Jesus. And we're going to see that when you invite Jesus in, if you're willing to open your life and your heart and invite Jesus in, so many things happen when Jesus is invited in. When Jesus is invited in, the lost find direction, the hopeless find hope, the helpless find assistance, the weary find rest, the thirsty find refreshment, the broken are mended, and the hurting are healed. Jesus wants to do things in our life, wherever we are. But I'm not going to lie to you, it comes with a little bit of a cost. It does come with a cost. Anyone that says there's no cost in following Jesus, it, I, I don't know if I can, I can reconcile that. See, Because we talked about last week, if you were here last week, what did we talk about? We talked about the fact they cost us something. It costs us being willing to all that stuff that we hold on to, all the things that we try to keep in our own life, it costs us being willing to let go of it and give it to him and trust him with it. Right. But that's so true in all areas of life, right? We all know in every area of life, when we want the real goodness in that area, when we really want to see benefit in that area, then we, we've got, it always comes with a cost, doesn't it? Right. If, if, if being healthy didn't come with a cost, right, we would all look, not all of us, but some of us, and I'm in that us area category, would look different right? I'd I'd be healthier if there wasn't a little bit of a cost with it. You you have to be willing to give up the immediate satisfaction for long-term satisfaction, right? Same thing goes in uh, success in business. Man, family, having a successful family is all about that, isn't it? You give up some immediate things for the long-term success of your family. Same thing goes with our faith. Jesus calls us to be willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let go of this so that I can have what Jesus offers. Let's look at what it is that Jesus offers today and, and let's, <clears throat> let's look at how we can respond to that. So I think today's example is probably as good of an example as any of someone who is willing to let Jesus in and seeing what Jesus offers. Luke 19 starting verse 1 to 10, we read about a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. If you're over 35 or 40, you probably got that. Okay? If you don't get it, just look it up. All right, Sunday school song. All right, but Zacchaeus was, was a man that was well-known. He was a tax collector, but he wanted to see Jesus. And let's read about his story. Verse 19. He entered Jericho, speaking of Jesus, and passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He was short. So he, so he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone into the he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So there's four things I want us to see in this interaction today. Two things about Jesus and two things about Zacchaeus. The first is this. Zacchaeus was sincere. Zacchaeus was sincere in his desire to see, to know, to understand Jesus. As a pastor, I've gotten pretty accustomed to knowing when someone is truly, sincerely wanting to grow or wanting to have a spiritual conversation to understand who Jesus is or what what faith is about versus someone who just wants to engage me because they want to get in a debate. Or they want to, um, you know, they have an agenda. They have a point that they're wanting to get across. And and you have people on both sides, right? You have people that, that sincerely want to know. And then you have people that are just kind of looking for a debate. Almost to look to, like, try to prove their point. Zacchaeus was sincere. He really wanted to know. He wanted to understand Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to know what Jesus was all about. Now Zacchaeus was not an average guy, right? Zacchaeus was a man of position. He was he was a chief ta- tax collector, so he wasn't even just a normal tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which was a very important job because that meant he managed um, all of the Roman tax collectors in that area. So he did everything from hiring them and overseeing them, firing them, and managing all of the money that was brought in from all of the tax collectors in that area. But it was a very hated position, right? He was very hated. He was, now, it says that he was wealthy, but we don't really know exactly how he got that wealth, if he had some of it prior to becoming a tax collector. But usually, a lot of it came from the way they collected taxes. So there was a few reasons they were hated. One was they worked for the Roman government right? The Israel was under occupation of the Roman government. They didn't like the Romans there. They didn't want them there. They didn't want to give their money to them. And he was one working for them and co- taking their money and giving it to Rome. So they didn't like that. Second, they basically saw him as a traitor by, because he was a Jew who worked for Rome. So not, they, they hated Rome, Romans, but they almost kind of hated the, the traitors even more, Right? And they, so he's seen as a traitor. And then the third reason is because the Roman government didn't really regulate how the taxes were collected. I, I mean, honestly, quite frankly, I, any, no, anyone want to raise your hand if you work for the IRS? You know, anyone? All right. So honestly, though, I got to imagine if you work for the IRS in general... Like if you walk into a party and you introduce yourself and you know eventually the people ask that question, hey, what do you do? I got to imagine if you say I work for the IRS, it's not one of those people that go, oh, that's awesome. I got to imagine there's that like, oh, cool. You know? <laughs> you know, like it's already just kind of a job, even even when everything's done above board, that you're just like, oh, that's a tough one, right? So, but with them, the way the, the taxes were collected is it wasn't regulated. so So they could exhort as much money as they wanted as long as they didn't get an uprising in their area because of the taxes they were collecting. So they could keep getting a little extra and push people slowly and, and make and make more and more money as long as people didn't revolt. Then, then, um, then Rome was happy. They didn't care. <coughs> so Zacchaeus was hated for many reasons. But as, even with that hate, he was still a man of status, right? He was wealthy. He was very wealthy, He would have everything that he wanted, materially speaking. He had the nicest clothes. He had a nice home. He ate good food. In those days, he would have been the ancient picture of someone who had it all. And yet something was still missing. And because of that, he had a real desire, a sincere desire to see Jesus. But he was short. The Bible says he was a short man and that created a problem. It created a problem. He couldn't see through the large crowd, right? He, and now I, you know, if you've ever read your children's Bibles to your kids and you've read the story, you know, they can't really depict the crowds, right? So I, I remember growing up with these pictures of like, you know, it's Jesus with 20 or 30 people walking, you know, and, and, you know, if, if that was the case, he would have been able to see, but the, there was masses of people, a sea of people. When Jesus, when people knew Jesus was coming into town, it, that was a huge thing. So people just flood the streets. And not like the streets were super wide. They were usually pretty narrow. So so it would be really hard to see. And so, you know, as a kid, it's a short guy. He, and Jesus isn't up on a platform. He's just walking through the street and he can't see, right? He, he's like, look, looking through. He's, you ever go to concerts? I go to concerts every now and then. And, and, uh, you know, especially like if you have, just like if you're on the floor and there's just a stage on the floor, you know, I'm a tall guy, so I don't have a problem. I usually can see the whole thing. But eventually during the show, I'll look around and there's always, I feel bad. There's like some shorter, usually a lady, and she's like, look, and you like, she's looking through two necks, you know, and like, this is all she can see, you know, <laughs> to see the show. And that's Zacchaeus. <clears throat> and he wants to see. So what does he do? He, he runs ahead and he climbs up in a tree. So that he can get a good sight of Jesus. Now think about that for a second. Zacchaeus is a man of position, of stature, of wealth. Now, I don't know, maybe it was very different in those days. But there's not a lot of CEOs I know that I can imagine running ahead of a crowd and then climbing up in a tree. I don't know a lot of guys, you know, my age that could climb a tree. But 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 he climbs up in a tree to get a good picture. And there's something about that that shows he had a a real desire. I mean, that probably had to be a little embarrassing. I mean, can you imagine the people going, isn't that Zacchaeus? He's in a tree, right? I knew he was nutty. Okay. (laughs) The dads, only the dads left. Okay. (laughs) Right? So he climbs up in the street. There's a desire, a sincere desire desire to see Jesus. And that's important for us to note. He wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to check this Jesus guy out. No, he really wanted to know about Jesus. But then something else happens. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Jesus sees Zacchaeus or Jesus saw Zacchaeus. I, I put saw on my notes. This is my fault. I would encourage you to write "sees" if you're writing notes. Jesus sees Zacchaeus, because I want to focus on this from now. See, Jesus is walking through. He's got all the crowd. He's got all the, all the people pressing in on him, all these things happening. And he spots Zacchaeus. And what does it say? It says he looks up at him. And I got to imagine, picture this moment, like all these people are, are following Jesus and, and Jesus kind of stops and he looks up and he points at Zacchaeus. And I got to imagine the moment he does that, everyone goes quiet. Why? They hate Zacchaeus. They want to hear Jesus call him out. Right? Oh, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He's going to let him have it. He's going to tell him what a traitor he is. He's going to tell him he doesn't, he doesn't love God because he doesn't love his people and he's selling out the people. He's, he's going to really let Zacchaeus have it. But Jesus looks up. and He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I must stay at your house, eat at your house today. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to eat with you. See, Jesus is showing here that he wants to have some level of relationship with the chaos. Why? Just because he wants to eat at his house? Yeah. If I invite you over to my house and I say, hey, come on over, I'm, come on over for dinner. I, I want to have dinner with you. What does that show you? It means I want to build some relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Now, what if I just say, hey, come in and meet me in my office. Does that necessarily show you I want to have a relationship with you? Might you be a little like, why does he want to meet me in my, his office? Right? But if I say, hey, just come over. I want to have, come over. I want to have dinner with you. See, that automatically, even in our culture, shows a desire for relationships. Right, if you you know you you have, if you've ever had conflicting meetings, don't you don't share a meal over a conflicting meeting. That is the most awkward meal you're ever gonna have, right? I mean, to go is definitely happening, right? They're, they're it's they're getting taken home. You share a meal to build relationship. If you're gonna have a conflicting meeting, you usually just say, hey, let's just, let's just meet. We got to do this. We want to do this, but, but let's, just, let's just do this. Jesus is shown he wants to have a relationship. That probably really upset the people. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. They're, they're here, Jesus now, reach out to Zacchaeus to build relationships. And, they, and it says they very quickly started to complain. They very quickly started to grumble. Right. Look, he's going to the house of a sinner. You know, He's going to eat with him. Doesn't he, know, doesn't he know who he is? Does he not see that I'm an important person? Does he not know my position in the synagogue? Why is he not wanting to eat with me? Does he not know what I give? Why isn't he want to eat with me? Why doesn't he want to come over and, have, and dig into scripture with me? Why is he going to Zacchaeus' house? See, Jesus went where no one else would go to do what no one else could do. And through it, he shows his amazing mercy and his love. And I think there's a lesson in this for us. I think the first thing we see with Jesus on this is that Jesus sees Zacchaeus. How often do you not see people? How often do you just go through your life You're just involved in the busyness of your life. You're just doing your thing and you don't truly take time to see people. So I think there's something very powerful about being seen. When you know somebody truly sees you, when you know someone will take some time and stop what they're doing and look you in the eyes and engage with you, especially when you're going through something. I mean, it's so easy to just send a quick text or to, you know, to just say, hey, praying for you or whatever. But to, then, but to stop and say, hey, I see you. I see what you're going through. I see your hurt. I see your pain. I see your loneliness. I see your brokenness. It means a lot to people. I actually believe that that's one of the biggest reasons people don't return to churches. I think a lot, one of the biggest reasons is oftentimes people come to, a, come to church and they don't feel seen. They feel passed by. They feel just barely acknowledged. Now, MVF, I want to I wanna encourage you on this because I actually think you guys do a pretty good job on this. I, th- I think, you know, I've, I've been around a lot of churches. and I, I think you guys do a pretty good job. I think we could improve. I always think we can improve on it. But I want you to think about it for a minute. And maybe you're this person I'm going to describe right now. You're, you're, you're someone who's not ever been to church. You haven't been to church since you were a kid or before your divorce or whatever it is. You haven't been to church in years. And because of that, you also notice your faith has slipped. And you know you believe maybe or you, trust, you want to trust God, but you've never, done, never really done it wherever, wherever you're at, people are at with, when, when they decide. But at some point, something happens in life that you say, hey, I really want to give God a try. I really want to investigate this. I, I, I sincerely want to know a little bit about this and see if Jesus has what it is I keep trying to fill my life with in other ways. And so you break your habit and you get up a little earlier than you're used to on Sunday morning. And you don't lay around your house in your pajamas and you go through the stress of trying to figure out what it is you are supposed to wear to said church. And then you search frantically for a Bible and you, you find the Bible you haven't pulled out in years. And you pull that out and you if you've got kids, here's a whole nother tornado here you're messing with. Right. Like you're now convincing kids that have not been going to church that this is a good idea. Right. Oh, yeah. That sitting for another two hours on a weekend sounds good. Right. So you're dealing with all the stress of this. And you pull into the parking lot of the whatever church that you've driven by many times. or you decide that's the one or you looked them up online and the pastor was dressed in a way that at least you could kind of go, OK, I don't have to dress up too much. I don't know what it was. But do you you decided that's that's how you where you're going to go. And you, and you walk through the doors of the church. And you walk through the doors, and, and maybe they've got some greeters. Maybe they don't, because sometimes churches don't have that, or if maybe some people don't show up or, they, you know, whatever. So maybe they've got some greeters. But there's also a good chance those, those greeters are maybe engaged in a conversation, and they're going to go, hey, good morning. And then they get back to their conversation, and they hand you some piece of paper that you have no idea what this means even. You're like, okay, I guess we all carry these around. And so you, you open up your thing and you, you're trying to figure out what's what and, and, and you, you're looking around and maybe you've got kids with you and you're like, how am I gonna get these kids to sit still? Where am I supposed to put them? I don't know. And, and nobody says anything. And so you try to figure it out. So what are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna do, if you're culturally aware enough at all, you're gonna come and you're just gonna sit down you just going to come and sit down. By the way, and if you're new, I'm sorry for pointing you out right now, but regulars, you want to meet new people, come into the service five minutes early. That's where you meet the new people. I do that all the time. So, so, you, so you're sitting there, they sit there, and they're wondering, and oftentimes they feel like they were never seen. And then they leave. And they say, This Jesus thing, maybe I heard, maybe the sermon happened to be on something they're dealing with, or the Holy Spirit just really hit them, and regardless of what was preached about, the Holy Spirit hit them, but maybe not. And they weren't seen. And I believe one of the tragedies in the church is that there are people whose lives are on the edge, and quite frankly, who are going to hell, And God, I call it low-hanging fruit, literally puts low-hanging fruit in our, like just all we got to do is put it in the basket. And we are too busy talking about the next game with people we can see every week. We're we're too busy catching up with people that we've built a relationship with. We can catch up all week. Can you imagine if every church in America made sure that every time someone walks through the door, they are seen. And that they are acknowledged that, hey, I care about you. Because guess what, you guys? We are the only hands and feet and mouths and ears and eyes of Jesus that a lot of people are ever going to really see. And it, all it takes from us is a little bit of a push to say, Hey, I mean, imagine this. What if every time we got, before you got out of the car on Sunday morning, you said, God, help me to see people with your eyes this morning. Show me, guide me to the person that you want me to just be there for. Can you imagine how that could change the American church? If every Christian, Walked through the doors of their church with that mindset. See, I'm not even talking about our week. How many times at a grocery store do I, can I tell that maybe a mom could use a little extra help, you know, while she's trying to gather groceries and she's got four kids running around, you know. How often could I say, Hey, you know, is there five minutes? Can I, can I help you with something? How many times can I let someone pass me in a line and go, hey, you look like maybe you're in a hurry. Do you, you want to go in front of me? How often could I, could I just cover something for somebody or do something for just two, three minutes and really see them? I think it makes a world of difference for people when they're truly seen. And I think that's where Jesus, the first step that Jesus takes was Zacchaeus here. Because he made sure he was really seen. Can you imagine how much that meant to Zacchaeus? That Jesus could have had dinner with any of the religious leaders in the area. He could have have had dinner with anybody that, that he wanted. And in front of everybody, he said, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner with you. I can imagine that blessed his heart in a massive way. And it led to something. And that's our next thing about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was convicted. He was convicted. We, now, we don't know everything that happened here, right? We don't know the whole conversation Jesus had when they're sitting at the table. And Jesus is a master at this, right? He can have in one conversation what it might take you five years of conversations with somebody to get to. But, but he was a master at it. But in that conversation, what happens? Zacchaeus becomes generous. He repents. And when you're like, well, how is that repentance it just becomes because, because he came, became generous? Because it's obvious. The, his, his money was a thing he was doing this with. And he said, I'll do this with it. I'll, I'm going to release it. I'm going to give it to you. <clears throat> right? He, he, he was wealthy, and he was wealthy by selfish means, by greedy means. So it shows an obvious repentance of his heart. He wasn't trying to buy his salvation. He, was, he, he knew he was convicted of the sin in his life, and he repented of it. This reminds me of, um, I, I feel like Charles Dickens stole this story with Scrooge. Right? If the end of Scrooge, the, right, where Scrooge just completely changed. That, that's, what, that's what we see with Zacchaeus. He gave it away. He gives half of everything to to the poor the people but then on top of that not only does he just repent he he wants to create restitution he wants to he wants to anyone he's harmed he wants to not just try to try to give back what and how he harmed them he wants to double it the the law would have said he had to du- he had to give two times to give restitution he doubles the law he says i want to i'll repay people four times anything i've stolen He's convicted, and he turns to Jesus. See, this is such a picture to me of that person who's like, "I've got all this, I'm, look- I, I'm looking for life and all of these things that I'm holding. But I'm interested in Jesus. I want it. What, What's he about? And then when Jesus hits him, he lets it go. He lets it go. And it leads us to our last thing that I want to look at about Jesus. I love the statement that Jesus ends with. Where he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus is all about. Now, I want to, just a little footnote here. It's not really within the main point of the sermon today, but Oftentimes I hear people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. You never hear Jesus claim to be God. Well, there's lots of places. I'm not going to get into all of them. Okay. But son of man is Jesus claiming to be God. Why? Well, he's taking it from Daniel 7. Let me read to you Daniel 7. By the way, son of man is a title that Jesus uses of himself 80 different times in the gospel. Okay. And. Let's look at Daniel 7, verse 13 to 14. Daniel is prophesying about the coming, the second coming of the Messiah, the Christ. And he says this, I saw in the night vision and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations' languages should serve him. Who does the Bible say that all people should serve? God and God alone. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Who is the only eternal one? God and God alone, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that well shall not pass be destroyed so he's referring to himself he's referring back to daniel he's he's letting them know this is who i am and then he talks multiple times of himself referring back to this passage matthew 16 27 jesus says this he says for the son of man talking about his second coming is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done what's he saying there he's saying he's going to judge the earth who's the only judge God and God alone. Matthew twenty five thirty one. Jesus says, when the son of man, talking once again, referring to, him, come to his, his return, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats." So once again, saying that he will be the final judgment. So I, I just I want I want to hit that because I keep I, I see a lot of talk about that in different places. And unfortunately, a lot of people think YouTube and TikTok are a great place to get their theology. And um, so so I, I, I want to make sure if you're watching things like that, you you actually hear stuff with actual research. Anyway. OK. Finally, he's why who, he's established who he is. But why is Why did he come? He came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. That word seek, I love he says he came to seek. He doesn't just say he came to save the lost. He came to seek them. He came to look for them. He came to search them out. And notice he doesn't say I came to, came to look for them. He, the seek is, is, is a much more like, right? When I look for my keys, it usually means I'm, I'm walking through the house one time. And like, I remember they're here and I find them, right? But every now and then, about once every other year, I have to seek them out, Right? And there's a difference. Seeking them out is like under car seats and, and in, in trash cans. And, you know, right? You're, you're like really digging for them. Jesus is seeking out the lost. He pursues people with a love and a passion for the eternal destiny. Jesus wants to transform your earthly life in order to redeem your eternal life. He came to save. And I want to I make sure we hit this. Jesus brings hope. That's so true. He brings hope to your life, but it's so much more than hope. He, Jesus brings you peace, but it's so much more than peace. When it says save, it means so much more than that. Save is to deliver someone, to rescue someone. Jesus came to rescue our lives from the clutches of death and the despair of hell. And I know that's a popular one today too that people don't want to say is there, but I, the Bible teaches it and I believe it. And I believe that if it's not for that, why, why do we really need Jesus? Jesus came to save you, to save your soul. He's the only one who can rescue you. He's the only one who can mend the brokenness of your life. He's the only one that you need. And that's what Zacchaeus realized. Zacchaeus realized that Jesus was all he needed. And I'll close with this. I want you to think if you read the passage last week or you were here for the sermon, I want you to think about the rich young ruler compared to Zacchaeus. Who was the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler was rich. He was religiously respected, so he was like the the religious guy. He followed the rules. He was probably someone who actually tithed, so he was actually giving. And then there's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the worst of society. He was looked down upon. He stole money from people. He was a traitor to, to the Roman government. But the rich young ruler walked away like this. Zacchaeus opened his arms and trusted Jesus with everything because he knew he needed something. If you're here tonight, today and you know you need something, I truly believe that Jesus is that something. And my prayer is that you would open your heart to that. And it, you would at least, even if you wouldn't be willing to open your heart today, you would at least talk to someone about it. You'd at least let someone walk with you in learning more about them. So I have two applications today. If you know you're a Jesus follower, I'm just going to ask you, do you see people? Do you see them where they are? Do you acknowledge them? When you come to church, do you come looking to see the people that are visiting, the people that are are giving Jesus a try? When you're living out your life day to day, do you see people and their needs? Do you pray asking God to help you see people, to really help you see them? But if you're not a follower, I just want you to know that Jesus sees you. He sees you right where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter how far you might think you have strayed away from him. He wants a relationship with you. He came to seek and to save the lost. We're going to go into our time of worship and, and, and prayer. And, um, and I just want to encourage you as we, as we do this to, to take some time. And and to really reflect and think about whether, A, whether or not you you see, you see the people that Jesus is putting in front of you. And you make sure that they know that they're seen. If that's something that you're passionate about, that, that you know that you, is, is God calls you to. And 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 to ask him to give you the the, the strength and the ability to see him. But maybe. You're just looking into this Jesus. I want you to know that we have people that want to pray for you. And they just want to talk to you too. They want to listen. They want to see if there's something they, we can do to, to help you in this journey. So during this time, we're going to have people up on the sides and the front here by the tables. If you're one of the prayer counselors, feel free to come up at this time. Um, they'll be up there, be ready to pray with you, to talk with you. We have communion and in at least three different stations, and if you want to just take communion during this time and say, hey, God, this is a time for me to just commune with you, and if you just want to worship and thank God that he sees you, let's worship and pray together. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to have you join us for a live gathering. We are located at 271 North, 600 West in Heber City, Utah. If you need more information about us, including our gathering times or previous teachings, you can find all that at mvfchurch.com. And make sure you follow us on social media too. See you next time.